So there's a fair bit that's happened, and it's it's only uh, as of the last uh, eight to ten years where we've seen this sort of significant uh, growth. Welcome to the Sports Biz Show. Today we have with us Mr. Nasser Hussain, CEO of Rugby India, the sole governing body for the sport in the country. He has been the former captain of the Indian rugby team, who is now championing the growth of the sport across the nation. We spoke with him on expanding a niche sport in the country, along with the trials, tribulations, and opportunities that come with the same. Let's dive into it. Uh, to start off, I'd love to know your day-to-day operations at uh, Rugby India. Uh, so, typical day uh, for us at Rugby India would involve a lot of planning uh, and engaging with our stakeholders and partners, uh, both internal and external. Uh, especially during, uh, I think, this period where there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, so, it's about reaching out and ensuring everyone's uh, uh, safe and well, uh, and that things are still on course as as they were planned earlier. So yeah, I think the approach is more uh, proactive as opposed to reactive. Mm. Uh, at least that's the endeavor and intent. When you talk about the sport of rugby though, how would you paint the current landscape in terms of just awareness for the sport and how many people know about the access and the places they can get access to the sport in India? Uh, so in terms of, uh, I think the footprint of the sport in the country, it, it has... Uh, there's been a, a massive uh, change and a shift uh, over the last uh, decade, so to say. I think currently, uh, Rugby India is active across about 27 states uh, for men's, women's and age-grade rugby, uh, which kind of covers one-third of the districts uh, of the country. Uh, so there's a fairly wide reach uh, and as a, as a sport or as a federation, where members of World Rugby, Asia Rugby, uh, the Indian Olympic Association, Ministry of Sport, part of the school games, part of the university games, we've kind of ticked all the boxes uh, there in terms of uh, getting the recognitions or getting access to uh, kids playing the sport. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a fair bit that's happened and it's, it's only uh, as of the last uh, eight to ten years where we've seen this sort of significant uh, Growth. There's about eight eighty five hundred players that are also registered with the union, if I'm not wrong. So where are you drawing this pool of talent from? Is it is it in conjunction with the state and state federations and the national federations? And how do you sort of plan to increase and make that sustainable? Uh, so I mean, to start off, the eight thousand five hundred that are registered are registered online, uh, and that's actually a, a platform that we've created. Uh, in the last uh, 18 months uh, where we want uh, to get away from uh, the usual paperwork and get into uh, an online sort of uh, database. Uh, so that's a, still a work in progress. Uh, there are a lot more players that are involved in the sport. Uh, close to about 80,000 players registered and unregistered across the country. And like you rightly said, a lot of them are involved with our state associations uh, and play for clubs and uh, and the districts. So yeah, so it is... Um, I think what's been encouraging is how the sport's grown uh, to uh, the Tier 2 cities and rural India uh, and mainly through our grassroots programs. Is there sort of scope for more grassroots programs in across Pan-India uh, in a way to sort of sustain that talent? I mean, at the end, we always see sort of leagues develop for sports, but I feel the blueprint that 
that's created for sports to sustain themselves is very important as well. What's your take on that, especially for rugby? Uh, uh, I mean, as a union, our focus has been on uh, grassroots development. I mean, I think we only had a, a small pot of money and we needed to decide if we put it towards development or towards uh, our high performance and our national team. The unanimous decision from the board members that it should be towards the grassroots programs and development and kind of building a stronger foundation for the sport. Uh, so yeah, so what we uh, run is a Get Into Rugby program, mm. uh, which is a, a world rugby initiative uh, for mass participation and that's a program we've been running for the last five years and it has seen a significant growth year on year uh, i mean last year just in terms of numbers we reached out to uh, 215,000 players so so yeah and, and that kind of pegged us uh, at number one in asia and number one in the world uh, in terms of participation reach so yeah we're pretty uh, pleased uh, with with that sort of growth uh, but having said that, I don't think uh, numbers is is a is a challenge for a country like us. Mm. Uh, it, it it's more about uh, the retention and sustainability and continuity of these players, and that's uh, been our focus uh, to ensure that all these players get an opportunity to continue playing and there's a pathway for them to uh, stay in the game. Fair enough, absolutely. And on that note, what have been some of those challenges in taking such a niche sport to the market? Uh, well, every every sport has its own challenges uh, and so do we. Uh, I think uh, a couple of our sort of obstacles, uh, how we see it is, one is uh, the lack of awareness of the sport. Uh, I mean, it is a, a foreign sport, so to say, uh, where I mean, we've been focusing on trying to uh, educate the masses. Uh, so training and education has been a, a key component of that. Uh, visibility of the sport is, is probably uh, the next where you don't get much rugby on television. And that's something we're trying to address uh, with World Rugby uh, to see how we can get more rugby content on television uh, and uh, on other broadcast mediums. And I think the third would be infrastructure. Uh, so yeah, facilities uh, for playing the sport. I mean, it's uh, none other than a football field is what we require. And I mean, it's uh, as of probably uh, early this year, we didn't have a single dedicated rugby field in the country. Uh, but we're pleased to say that we've got uh, or we're in process of getting uh, a couple. So one in Jammu and Kashmir, out of all places, uh, has uh, allotted a, a field for rugby. We're in talks with, uh, with a couple of the other state governments uh, to potentially allot a plot of land for, for the sport. And that, I think, will really uh, spike the interest and growth in the game. Wow, that's commendable. Uh, looking forward to how that develops. Talking from a fan engagement standpoint, just to shift gears a little bit, at the beginning of COVID, the union was quite nimble. And I say that because um, there was a successful virtual event that was launched called the Tri-Series. What prompted that idea? And for the uninitiated, could you obviously tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, so, yeah, obviously, once uh, things went into lockdown, there was a sort of a lull, uh, short lull period, in our case at least, uh, where there wasn't much happening. There was, like I said, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we weren't aware of what uh, or where we're heading. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a case of uh, trying to identify what is it that uh, a player or a, a fan would, would miss the most during this time. And that was... Uh, being involved in competition or supporting a team in competition. And we tried to think of various ways of how we could uh, sort of address that. And obviously, with the restrictions in place, the only thing that we kind of came up with was a virtual tournament. Uh, 
and then there were a lot of ideas thrown around as to how do we work it out uh, and the most feasible option was uh, the one that we rolled out and i mean it was all uh, we want we weren't sure what to expect of it uh, but i mean we were very very pleased that it was really successful i mean we got massive sort of traction a virtual online uh, event which was based on voting uh, so yeah so it was uh, i think what was uh, unique about it but i mean now looking back was uh, it wasn't just uh an an initiative that benefited uh, the association and the union but it also benefited every team uh, that participated in it because it uh, helped drive a lot of traffic uh, onto their social media handles we saw a massive uh, growth in uh, in followers in 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 the reach that we had and so did all the teams so it was a sort of a win win situation for everybody yeah that that sounds really really interesting and i'm sure that that engaged a lot of people especially when i was scrolling through uh, the website and and the social media handles it just popped up everywhere so i'm sure that was great i also obviously want to talk a little bit about the integrity and compliance aspect especially because rugby is an extreme contact sport so injuries are a very natural part of the game um and i'm sure that could make uh, a lot of kids or a lot of parents very apprehensive so how is the union sort of taking care of uh, providing enough facilities or enough knowledge about injury prevention um or different aspects pertaining to sports science for the sport and for uh, the participants uh, yeah so i think when we roll out rugby programs uh, i think the first sort of hurdle we need to get across is to break that perception that it is a dangerous sport uh it is a contact sport no doubt uh but there are various measures taken or put in place to ensure it is safe uh so we have a, a thing called rugby ready uh so that's one of the programs that rolls in with uh, the get into rugby program uh which kind of makes you rugby ready uh so it teaches you how to fall how to tackle uh focuses on the safety aspects of the game and that is a a major component uh, that is across all levels uh, not just at the grassroots and something that's uh, really being uh, sort of instilled by world rugby as well uh, that it needs to be a safe sport and i mean uh, the the sort of uh, concerns of of the stakeholders are valid uh, and rightly so uh, but yeah it is it's about uh, educating uh, the not just the players but also the parents uh, the, the pe teachers uh, the fans who follow the game uh, about uh, the measures that are taken for the for this is from the from the on pitch for uh, uh, perspective so for the players uh, off the pitch a lot of work being done uh, on the medical side uh, so to provide uh, appropriate pitch side care uh, so there are accreditation courses uh, that are run by world rugby uh, we in india got a few medical educators as well uh, who are certified to run these programs uh, so yeah so those are those are ongoing sort of initiatives uh, to ensure that we have the right uh, people pitch side to in case there is a an incident to to deal with it in the right uh, fashion the next round is sort of a quick rapid fire segment uh, just to get your thoughts on a few pertinent factors related to the sports industry so the number one question is what books would you recommend to become a better leader and a manager in the industry something that's most important is uh dealing with people uh and that is probably across every industry not just uh, sport uh so i think one of the books is uh how to win friends and influence people uh again uh like i said not just specific to sport uh, just in general in business in life uh 
it's important uh, to have that those sort of uh, skills where you're a people's person uh, and that that's uh, that's key to be a good manager three skills you would recommend for a better career in the sports industry uh, interpersonal skills forward planning and problem solving and one word according to you that describes the indian sports ecosystem today uh, one word i would have used probably a few years ago would be unstructured uh, but now it's probably growing uh, yeah it is a it's a industry that's on the brink of of booming i would think lastly what is next for you um, for the union to build the sport from a mid to long term perspective uh, so like i said our, our our strategic focus has been uh, grassroots uh, we've kind of done that for the last 5 years i think we've reached uh, a sort of juncture where we've spread ourselves uh, i think wide enough uh, we've created a quite a strong foundation and now it's about trying to support our high performance and we've been uh, lucky to have uh, managed to get partners like uh, urissa government and societe generale who were sort of committed to that uh, vision and uh looking at supporting a high performance program uh, trying to get to professional so we probably one step at a time go semi professional in 2021 where the players will get paid for playing and for their time and commitment and then hopefully build upon that uh, moving forward so yeah i think that's uh, the next uh, sort of uh, step for rugby india that's great i look forward to that uh, but with that it brings me to the end of my questions and i just want to thank you for taking out the time to answer them so succinctly and thoughtfully uh, thank you thank you so much ananya thank you everybody for tuning in at the sports biz show the aim is to get you the best interviews trends and tips from the world of sports business it will be really helpful if you could subscribe and rate the podcast this would go a long way in helping the show get discovered and add value to more sports biz enthusiasts and professionals like yourself please feel free to connect on linkedin or instagram links will be in the description thank you and until next time keep the josh high